welcome to the Fully Free Podcast with your host, Taylor Lee. This is the podcast to get real about what it takes to become the wealthiest and happiest version of you. After creating my first seven-figure year, 12 months after having my first baby, I am on a mission to show as many women as possible how they can create tons of money in their online business with the most ease and joy possible. I'm here to inspire you and guide you with weekly episodes on money, marketing, life, and all things online business. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Hey, you guys. Oh my gosh. I just got off this interview with Madison Tinder. You guys are going to love it. Um, She has been doing some really cool stuff in her businesses. And so I was really excited to get to honestly, selfishly pick her brain as I get to do with a lot of our guests. And I think you guys will really love eavesdropping a bit on this conversation. So in case you don't know her, Um, Madison is a seven-figure business mentor who helps online businesses gain more visibility, create business expansion, and increase their sales. And she also owns Soulful Scrunchies, an e-commerce store that sells, you guessed it, scrunchies. Um, And in this episode, I got to pick her brain on adding in that product-based business. That's something I've thought about. I know a ton of my clients have ideas for, but a little intimidating. Um, And so she shared with us her biggest lessons on that. And she also shared with us in terms of her coaching business, a really cool strategy that has made her launches um, easier and more profitable. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen to that because um, I was really excited to learn about it. And she has actually helped you know, product-based business uses use this strategy. Coaches, obviously, service-based businesses. I mean, she's really a genius at what she does, you guys. You're going to love getting to know Madison and hearing this interview. So anyway, let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fully Free Podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting today with Madison Tinder. We are going to dive into some really cool stuff about her building her seven-figure business and some really cool things that she's doing um, in her business that I'm excited to learn about, and I think you guys will be too. So first off, thank you so much, Madison, for joining us today and um, sharing a bit about your story and giving us some awesome value today. Yes. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to chat about all the things. So, Awesome. All right. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, of course, what is your business? And I'd love to just kind of like take it back and hear a little bit about your story. um, So people can really learn a little bit about who you are and, and like the timeline of getting to seven figures and all that cool stuff you're doing now. Yeah. So I actually went to school to work in sports. So I wanted to first be a sports reporter. And then I wanted to work just in like sports business and the marketing. And I actually moved to Dallas to get my master's and, you know, I got my master's. I was really excited. I was looking for a full-time job and I couldn't find one. I spent months like trying to find a full-time job interviewing, and it was just like really, really hard for me. So I needed to create, create some income to actually like be able to pay my rent living in a city. So, um, this was like back in, um, spring of 2018 and 
I got a part-time job doing social media management for um, a doctor's office and I fell in love with it. I was like, Ooh, I really like this. I'm good at it. This is my background, et cetera. So I ended up just like starting a business. I don't even know. I just like went all in. I, without even thinking about anything, I was like, I'm going to start and I'm going to grow this like side hustle is what I called it. Like mm-hmm. a side hustle. Um, I'm just going to grow it while I'm looking for a full-time job because I need to make money. So I ended up getting like eight social media management clients. So I was making money per month and I was really excited and really happy about it. Um, and then when I would say when like fall of 2018 hit, I was capped. I was like, you know, I was working with clients who just were overworking me, like running me into the ground. I really had no control of my business because I didn't really understand business. All I understood was like marketing, social media, etc. Um, so I actually went online to, maybe get some other clients outside of Dallas. Cause I only got clients in Dallas and maybe I could do in-person consulting, corporate consulting. And that's when I uh, stumbled across like the online space, like working from home and, you know, doing things from home virtually. So I actually just started posting on social media. I wanted to kind of grow my business brand um, and get clients from other cities, not just Dallas. And so I started offering like free strategy sessions to get some testimonials. I obviously went into paid sessions and by like January of 2019, I came out with just like a social media based Instagram program um, while I was doing social media management on the side. And I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with I was I would say I was more consulting at that time and teaching rather than coaching. Um, and from there, I kind of moved forward throughout 2019 transition from social media consulting to marketing consulting to actually coaching um, and doing consulting as well still having my social media management clients on the side and my business just really grew. I would say it grew really fast um, because I was just so determined. Like I literally, I feel like I was kind of like psycho crazy. I call myself that because I literally just showed up all the time and was like, I was on all the time. So I was obsessed with social media and I definitely got burnt out for sure. I actually just let go of all my social media management clients because it was um, to the point where I felt like I was working a nine to five with that and only had time to work on like my consulting coaching business at night. And I was like, I can't like live like this. This is not sustainable for me. I might as well just find a full-time job. So I let all of them go and just kind of went all in in my coaching and consulting business. And I hit multiple six figures in 2019, um, 2020, and I just hit seven figures in the spring, all lifetime in my business. So it was like, um, almost like three years that it took me to hit seven figures. And I feel like it's been just like, um, and then I started my product-based business last, um, last fall. And then I'm starting a retreat business now. So I feel like I'm doing all the things. I'm very multi-passionate. So I like to do a lot of things, but there was a lot of, I feel like it was a lot of offers, a lot of retiring offers, simplifying my business to really get to seven figures. But that's kind of my story. I know it's like a lot. I feel like it's been a long time, but it really hasn't. It's only been like a few years ago, it feels like. So yeah. Yeah, it really has only been a few years and you've accomplished mm-hmm. a lot in that time, which is so cool. Um, yeah, let's talk about this multi-passionate thing a little bit because I know a lot of people struggle with it. And, you know, I feel like yeah. I'm pretty good at staying really focused on things, mm-hmm. 
but there's still like, you know, when you're in the business world, you're always having business ideas, right? Like the amount of products I've thought about launching or the amount of different coaching programs or whatever, or even totally different unrelated businesses is insane. So, I mean, what if, what's some of your advice for someone who's multi-passionate or even feels like, um, I think my question for you would be like, what have you learned about, you know, how do you pick? Like, do, do you feel like that? Like sometimes you have to decide like, okay, maybe that business idea we'll, we'll put on the side for now. Um, but then there's some that you've gone all yeah. in on like the product-based business and obviously the coaching and things like that. Yeah, I would say I'm multi-passionate, but I did a really good job at like growing what I needed to grow first to be able to expand. So like my social media management business, I really went all in on that and focused on that. And then I knew I was able to expand and had room for it. Same with my product-based business. I wanted to start my product-based business for a while, but I had to like be honest with myself that my coaching business was not there yet for me to be able to start my product-based business. It was, it wasn't there yet in the sense of like, I needed more support. Um, so I'm all for like hiring and getting support in different areas of my business and my life to be able to expand. Um, and I, when I knew I wanted to start my product-based business, I knew, um, I knew I had to make the changes to my business. Um, and for me, when I started my product-based business, I knew if I was going to balance both businesses for me, I couldn't do so much live coaching, um, which I loved. So I kind of switched my business model a little bit and went like half passive, half live, so I could be able to manage a whole product-based business as well. And then when I did my social media management business, you know, I was learning, I had to let go of some social media clients to be able to focus on coaching. Cause that was my true passion, et cetera. So I think also like understanding and being honest with yourself of like, you do need to focus on one thing to be able to expand, but also like prepping for that expansion. Like who do you need to hire? What kind of support do you need to have in your life to be able to expand and be multi-passionate? Um, so that was something that helped me. It's like, I'm multi-passionate, but I still focus on one thing, but I prep for expansion. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm all for just being honest with myself with where I'm at. And if I'm able to actually do that, successfully. No, I think it totally makes sense. It's like you scaled really one thing at a time. And then you hit a point where sometimes you do have to let go of certain things like the service-based, um, you know, social media management stuff, or a little bit of that live coaching to make room and then yeah, outsource. I mean, people, you know, I do a lot of interviews about being a mom and, and scaling my coaching business at the same yeah. time. And the question's always like, how do you do it all? And it's like, you, you just can't do it all and you have to accept that. So you have to let go of some stuff or outsource stuff, like for sure. Yeah. Or it leads yeah, to this. Definitely. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm all for outsourcing and finding like the areas where even like in my life, like personally, like especially for you as a mom, it's like, I feel like being a mom is just there's a lot going on. I'm so excited to be a mom one day. But um, I just know that outsourcing and stuff has probably helped you. And I also think about like just my life, like little things like um, maybe I don't have time to go to the grocery store, I can get like Instacart or like mm -hmm. what makes my life hiring made someone to help clean, like what can help me in my life? I feel like can also help me in my business as well when it comes to outsourcing. Totally. So let's talk a little bit about 
bringing in a product-based business. I want to hear all about that experience because that's something I have a couple ideas for something like that, but it, it, to me, it looks like it's going to be just like a completely different type of business. So, I mean, first of all, tell us a little bit about that business, Soulful Scrunchies, which I love. That's, I love that name. Okay. So Soulful Scrunchies. Yeah. That story. It's so crazy. I, um, I remember like five years ago, I was getting my hair done and I bleach my hair. Like I get highlights. I'm naturally like, um, I'm almost like naturally brown. Like my hair is almost like fully brown. And I've always gotten highlights my entire life. And my hairstylist was like, your hair is literally breaking off. Like, what do you use? And I was like, well, I use hair ties. And she was like, you need to use something like more soft for your hair, like scrunchies. And I was like, okay. So I literally went and just bought so many scrunchies and I wore, I, I wore scrunchies every day since like, I was just, I love them. They helped my hair so much. And it's so funny when I started getting online and like showing, um, myself on Instagram stories, people were like, I love your scrunchies. I know you for scrunchies. You always drink wine and you wear your hair on top of your head in a scrunchie. And <laughs> I'm just laughing because people still know me for that. And I was like, I would love to start a scrunchie brand. Um, because I love scrunchies number one, but I wanted them to be, it was hard for me to actually find scrunchies that I liked. If I would go to Walgreens or Target, they were just like cheaper material, or it was never the colors I liked, or there was never like the right size. So I was like, I really want to create like a one-stop shop of like luxury scrunchies. That's what we identify as like really sustainable luxury scrunchies. So it was March of 2020, like right when the pandemic basically like blew up. Um, I hired an e-com one-on-one coach, which was actually my past client. And I was like, please help me. Like, cause I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I had this idea for so long, but I just kept putting it off cause I was scared and I was fearful that the business model was different and that I couldn't sustain it. That was kind of my excuse and my fear with it. Um, and she really helped me from start to finish from start to actually, of uh, the launch, probably the most fun thing I feel like I've ever done in my life. Like it just takes a whole another side of my brain and it's like really creative. I would say it was easy to start. Like it was easy to start creating the relationships with the vendors, et cetera, but it's harder to sustain than my coaching business because, I feel like we're selling really high ticket packages with coaching. We have the reoccurring revenue, but selling like $6 scrunchies, it's harder to sustain and make income per month than coaching, but it's almost like more fun in a way because you get to experience like the campaigns, the marketing, the websites, the events, the influencers, the affiliates, and that makes it just really creative and fun and the new products. Um, so it's, it was easier to start, but harder to sustain, but it also is just so creative and so fun. I, I love having a product-based business, but yes, it's definitely different than coaching and service-based. Um, it's just, it takes a lot more work as in keeping up with the trends, keeping up with the holidays, staying on your feet, creating the new products, creating the new best product. Um, so it's something that I have to really like every day pay attention to. Um, but it's been so fun. I have a content manager that helps me and she's great because I know I would not have time to post on social media if it was just me. Um, but it's been so much fun. I love it. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. It's been such a creative outlet for you. That's awesome. I mean, what would your advice be for someone who has maybe a six or multi six figure coaching business and has kind of an idea like that to start some sort of product? Yeah. So I would say really kind of think about like your passion. So I know a lot of people, they want to do like notebooks or coffee mugs or something really unique. I would say, think about like, what is your passion? What could you see that could kind of expand from your current brand? So like thinking about, yes, you have a business, but you also have a personal brand. Like what is a product or passion that you could expand on? Um, and then thinking about, okay, whatever that product is, like, where do you see a gap in the market? That's the biggest thing. Cause there's so many, there's so many e-commerce shops, but you're going to be competing with a lot of people, but how can you do research and find what, like find a gap? Um, like an example of this is I did tons of research on scrunchy e-commerce shops and either they had way too many scrunchies to choose from, or they just weren't, um, they were all totally different and didn't make sense with the brand, et cetera. So finding like a gap in the market and identifying how can your product fill that gap in the market, kind of like what can, what problem can it really solve for the customer? But I think an easy, the easiest way for me was that scrunchies were already a part of my personal brand. So expanding to a scrunchie business made sense for me based on my personal brand. So, um, like what is your personal brand? What do you identify as? What is your passion and what type of product or service do you love that could expand from your personal brand to make it easier, make it easy process. Cause once you dip your toes, and e-commerce, like you're like, I want to create tons more products, but what could be an easy outlet for you? Like at first, so that's usually the advice I give someone. I love that though, because I really heard that when you were sh sharing your story about scrunchies, I was like, so intrigued. It's relatable. You, you gave us a good hair tip. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and even that gap in the market, that's so relatable that like, it's, like, I feel like for me, it's like, yeah, scrunchies are cute, but it's so hard to find one that will actually hold your hair up. <laughs> and you, you mm -hmm. saw that too. And so you, that's another probably gap that it sounds like you were looking to solve with this brand. So I totally heard that with your story. So I think that's a great tip for sure. Um, so what has been your biggest learning lesson starting a product-based business? Oh no. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I feel like I've learned so many lessons. Um, I would say probably the biggest one is embrace. I know this is very, this is very different, but embrace um, how long it's going to take to grow the business. I say that because like being in the coaching space, the online space, I think you can scale really quickly in that space. You know, a lot of people do scale quickly. Some people don't, but a lot of times I feel like, you know, when you're growing your coaching business, you're like kind of in a rush sometimes. Um, but it's like the next thing, the next offer and the next launch. But when it comes to e-commerce, it's going to be slow at first. And I always say embrace it. And, you know, the problem with me when I started my coaching business was I just worked so much and I'm happy I did, but I feel like I didn't really enjoy the journey in the beginning of my business. I was just on to the next thing, doing the next thing. And with e-commerce, I've actually been so intentional with en enjoying the slow periods, enjoying the journey, enjoying of uh, testing out new things and trying new marketing tactics. Um, and just 
just enjoying the slow periods because I know that with e-commerce things are can be slower, especially if you're doing it organic, um, and just really testing things out and knowing that over time the business is going to grow. But e-commerce is just hard because things are a lot like cheaper and less expensive. Um, so I feel like that's been a big learning lesson for me. I know at first I was like. I almost had like a reality check. Like the first month of our launch was really good. And the second month was like horrible. And I was like, okay, you know, this is fine. I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to build a steady foundation and I'm going to enjoy every day of my e-commerce because I feel like I didn't do that with my coaching business. Um, now I do, but especially in the beginning, I literally with coaching, I was just all over the place. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so enjoying the slow periods and enjoying the ride, um, and just really sticking it out because it takes time to grow an e-commerce shop. Um, but you're able to test so many new and amazing things to grow your store. So I would say that is a big lesson I learned. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And it, I think that shows the importance too, of really loving what product you're putting out because <laughs> it, I mean, it's easy to just want to throw something away when it's not working immediately or working every single time. And I, I mean, even in your coaching business, you're going to have launches like that, right? Where it's like, wow, this product was so good the first time. And now I have to figure out how to, um, have this conversation with clients all the time. Like now, how do I launch the same product over and over versus always having to make the newest and coolest course out there and shiny, shiny, shiny. Um, yeah, I, I think that advice is perfect for a product or even a coaching business, any type of business. I mean, that's really important. And that's the other thing. Like, I know a lot of us start our business to pay the bills, which you mentioned in your story. And that's how my business started too with services was I just needed to make enough money to live. But then when I really wanted to scale, I had to be, um, in it for the long game for sure. And also like, not so freaking hard on myself when there were bumps in the road or there were slow periods, even though looking back, it was really fast. There were times that it felt really slow and hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, most definitely. I feel like I was just talking to a client about that today and I was like, enjoy the journey. Like it's just, you know, there's so many, there's a lot of people scaling fast and doing X, Y, and Z fast and quick results, this, this, and that. But I was just like, enjoy what you're doing. Because like, if I could go back, I would have just enjoyed every day more and not have been in such a rush. But I mean, while we still want to pay the bills and make the money, it's just business should be enjoyable, especially if you want to be in business for a while, like, um, just being young and everything, like we have so much time and, I've just made such a conscious effort ever since like the beginning of last year and of 2019. I'm like, I'm enjoying every day. I'm doing something I love every day. And I just feel like some people have to have that reality check and kind of realize that at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make it so much better to be running a business, actually enjoy yes. the journey because it is mm -hmm. a journey. Um, so totally pivoting the conversation. Um, I, like I told you, I was scrolling Facebook literally just a couple days ago, I believe before our interview, and I saw one of your Facebook ads <laughs> and it was about your wait list strategy. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And I just want to hear all the things about your experience with wait lists um, and all of that, because 
honestly, the waitlist things, something I tried it one time. And that's one of those things where it's like, I just gave up on it. <laughs> so I'm like, teach me, I want to pick your brain on waitlist. I want to hear what, what they've done for you in your business. Yeah. So I would say when I was more in the beginning of my business, I was launching a group program. I, I launched back to back all the time. Soulful social. I was like, I'm going to keep launching to build a brand awareness. And I always launched with a free challenge and or a masterclass. And I was so tired after the free challenger masterclass, I didn't even want to launch. And I was so frustrated because my energy levels just kind of fluctuate. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't think I could do this forever. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't think I could ever do a free challenge again. So I was like, I think I'm just going to open up a wait list um, and have them have first dibs and then just go into public launch and see how it goes. Well, it worked out really well for me. So what I did, I was like, okay, every offer that I launch, I'm going to launch with a wait list. And I did this for like six or seven months and I had so much success and I did it like two different ways. Um, number one, if it was like a course or a group program, um, people got on the wait list. I sent them emails and I launched to them through email first. And then I just went into a public launch. Um, but if it was something higher ticket, like my mastermind or one-on-one, -on -one, you know, I had people join the wait list and I would personally reach out to them through email or DM and kind of talk to them, see if they were a perfect fit, have them apply, kind of move on to the onboarding process. And I fell in love with it. The reason I did it is because I saved a lot of my energy. Um, and I was able to kind of pre-sell to them, pre-launch to them. And my launch actually ended up being shorter because of it. Um, so I decided to, you know, I, I la I've launched so many times and I was like, I don't really want to create like a full blown launch program. Cause I feel like I could put <laughs> everything in there. Um, so I was like, I wanted to create a niche program. So in April of 2020, um, I launched the winning wait list and it was a, um, it was an eight week group coaching program on how to take your offer and launch it with a wait list. And everyone who went through the program loved it and had so much success. And I was happy because I did it for so many times. All my mastermind clients were doing it. So I created this framework from it and I, you know, I, and then I turned it into a course and it's been my best selling course to this day. And I, and I always get comments like, I love the waitlist framework. I don't, you know, I, I, it saves a lot of my energy. And now I always do a waitlist and maybe I'll tag on a masterclass with it, or I'll open up the waitlist for some programs a few months early. I kind of just have fun with it now. Um, now that my offers have grown brand awareness, but I actually use it for my soulful scrunchies business as well. So I use that framework for when I open up waitlists for new collections, I have done for you agency clients who do the waitlist framework. And it's just mostly selling to them through email, which grows the email list, which I'm a really big fan of having um, a big email list. Um, and then kind of moving into public launch without having to supply so much energy with like a long free challenge or a few master classes or anything like that. I'm just all about saving energy and being able to keep the momentum for all of your launches throughout the year. Oh my gosh. I love it. So um, I'm curious, like you said, your launches got shorter. Do you mind sharing? And I know you also said you're having a lot of fun with the wait list now. So it probably, um, fluctuates a bit, but what have you found is good for like, how long do you promote the wait list? And then are you giving them like a special offer for joining the wait list or what does it kind of look like? 
Yeah. So if I'm doing like, I call it the winning waitlist framework. If I'm doing my specific framework, um, I'll probably leave the waitlist open for like four to seven days. Um, and then I'll launch to the waitlist through email for like four to seven days. If it's the, if it's like a higher ticket group program, I'm leaving the waitlist open for longer. If it's like a mini course or a course, it's shorter. And usually I found success doing like money off. I mean, obviously that's like a really mm-hmm. great bonus, but sometimes I'll do like the first 25 people who sign up, get a bonus module, or you get a bonus group call. If you join from the wait list or, um, access to my other mini course or something like that. But I have found money off works great for people on the wait list because I want to give a good enough incentive where they'll actually join the wait list and where they're like, Oh, I don't care. I'll just sign up in the public launch phase. But I do find if I do that specific framework that a lot of people will join from the wait list and then I can kind of enjoy my launch. For me, I always had trouble with like my launch mindset of like, um, I have to leave the launch open for like four weeks. What if no one signs up? But knowing that I have people in before a launch lets me have more fun during the actual public cart open phase that I usually do like five to seven days for that. But like now for me, I'm opening up the wait list for like my mastermind and mini mine for January. And I'm just kind of pre-selling that way. I I feel like there's so many different ways you can use a waitlist, but um, if I'm doing my winning waitlist framework, which a lot of my clients and people who go through the course do, they'll probably just leave their waitlist link open for like four to seven days, then launch to them and then do a shorter public launch phase. So all in all, it might be like a 10 to 14 day launch period. That's about it. That's awesome. And then what are you seeing? Like, let's talk numbers a little bit. Like what kind of conversion rates are you seeing from a wait list? Because I know for maybe a challenge or a webinar, and some people are blowing those conversion rates out of the water, but you might convert one to 3% if it's a cold audience, maybe a bit more, if it's more of a warm audience, I've done like five to 7% for like a warmer. What do you Mm -hmm. see with wait lists? Cause I was peeking at some of your testimonials for that program. And it looks like they're killing it with these wait lists. Everyone needs to go check out that program. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I, um, so I always say like an average conversion rate is like 20 to 30% using a wait list. I've had my highest conversion rate has been a 60% conversion rate using a wait list. And what I do find is the, the main reason I like using a waitlist, not even with the launch, but, um, like last year I had, um, when I launched the winning waitlist, I obviously launched it using a waitlist because obviously, but, um, I had to do that. But, um, for black Friday, I took everyone who was on the past waitlist for that program who didn't buy and I pre-sold to them for a week through email and I ended up bringing in like 15k from doing that. And then I publicly just promoted it for Black Friday. So the reason I like to use a waitlist is because even if someone doesn't buy that time, I'm able to pre-sell to them throughout the year through email and just kind of sell without front face promo on Instagram stories so much. Right. But 
I do find like a 20 to 30% conversion rate is average for my clients or who anyone who goes through the program. If, if someone doesn't really hit that, um, and maybe they have like a really low wait list. Um, I always suggest possibly doing a masterclass after, because a lot of people need that personal connection point to buy and to convert. I feel like that's why masterclasses convert so well, or they just need to warm up their audience a bit more with content. They might be super new, but average is 20 to 30% conversion rate. So that's awesome. And then to kind of entice people to get on the wait list, are you just kind of sharing, like, you'll be offered a special you know, price or whatever the, whatever your kind of like special offer is, is that really the only thing that's enticing them to do it? Cause I've had clients ask me that about wait lists. And first of all, I'm like, I don't even do wait lists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So I'll be like, wait list is open for my mini mind program. If you join the wait list, you'll get $500 off when we launch right? That's just kind of my terminology. Or you'll save $300 if you join the wait list. I either do like money, I'll say like discount or save, just depending on the type of customer I'm trying to hit. But yeah, I always just do one bonus because I don't want to like confuse anyone with like all my 10 bonuses I want to do. So I'll just usually pick like one and I'll be like, hey, if you join the wait list, you'll get $500 off when we launch. You'll get first dibs at the program. It's like if you're doing a group program, maybe you want 10 people, $500 dollars off first dibs at claiming your spot in the group program. Then maybe you have five people who join from the wait list and you're going into the launch already like 50% sold out. So that's kind of, um, my terminology behind a, a wait list, which I love. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I can hear, you know, listening to all of this too, not only are you growing the list with this, but you're growing it with people who are actually considering buying the program. And I think that's the issue. Um, I don't really think this is an issue because like you said, challenges, masterclasses, whatever you want to call them or whatever you want to do are a great Mm -hmm. chance to really warm up an audience, especially if you're newer or if you haven't done that in a while, right? But um, people have found too, it's like there are some freebie hunters (laughs) out there in the world. And this is really getting people who are like, yeah, no, I'm actually considering buying from you. So I might as well get on this list. It sounds like they have to be pretty warm people, right? Which is cool. Yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, like I'm the type of person that like my waitlist page is my sales page. I want you to like, if you're going to join my waitlist, you're going to know all about the program and what you're getting, because I, I had so much trouble with my free challenges and stuff where it's like, I didn't convert really well. Um, because I just called in a lot of people who wanted free and I know probably my strategy was like super whack. Um, but with my waitlist, yeah, I'm like, it's my sales page. Um, and you know, they're seeing what they're getting when they're joining. And that's why I feel like the conversion rate has been higher because they're high quality leads. They're already interested in the program. Um, they just might need that conversation or some emails from me to really apply or, or join and buy So That's awesome. And I know a question that a lot of people are going to be wondering from this conversation, because I get this question about any strategy that has to do with a special bonus or timeline um, is do people really buy even after the wait list is closed? Obviously the answer is yes, but I'd like to hear kind of your experience with that. Yeah, for sure. They 100% buy. I think it's more like trusting that your audience can buy anytime, any day of the year. 
Like, I think it's just comes down to trust. And I trust that I know I can make money every day. I know I can make sales. Um, but from like a logical standpoint, like not mindset standpoint, yeah, they buy for sure. I feel like when you open to the public, you might have a few days where it's a little dry. I notice a lot of people buy with the wait list and then they'll buy like the last four, three days. But that's why I make my public launch after a wait list shorter. Um, so I'm not having what some people call like a mid-launch slump. Like there's always some urgency behind either cart closing or like bonus ending. But yeah, it's just a trust, trusting that, you know, your audience is going to buy at any time. So I love that. So good. And I also loved hearing that you use this strategy for literally any type of program, even scrunchies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> courses, masterminds, scrunchies. It doesn't really matter. So I feel like it's the kind of thing that anyone should just kind of give a shot see how it goes for them. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to test this on my product-based business. I'm just the type of person I was like, I'm going to test this. I'm going to do this. Um, and it worked really well. I do it for like, you know, just different collections that I launch. We also do, you know, like pre-sales, pre-orders. And, you know, I have people who are in like other e-com um, shops that do it and who are like agencies and done for you service providers. And I think one of the main reasons I came out with the winning waitlist is I, I worked with a lot of um, service providers like done for you and like free challenges and masterclasses like didn't really work for them. Um, and that's when I was like, let's test the waitlist list and it worked really well for them because it was like a launch strategy they like enjoyed and and they could use and it would actually benefit their services as well so yep even service providers i love it well thank you so much madison i feel like this is such good information a little bit on some coaching strategy with the wait list building your coaching business or honestly any type of business um, and then hearing about adding that product-based business in as well. I loved hearing about this and kind of getting to pick your brain a little bit on it too, selfishly. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, we're going to link to all the things. I mean, I'll link to the scrunchies and I'll link to your website and all of that. So people can find information on all of this, but, um, for people listening and they're really resonating with you and how you teach and, and how you do business. I mean, how can they come follow you, um, and keep learning from you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm very active on Instagram at madison.tinder. Um, I just post random things. I, I really don't have a content strategy. I just will post whatever I want that day. Um, I also have a podcast, soulful social podcast. Um, and my website is madisontenderllc.com. So Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And um, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Thank you. Real quick before you go, if this episode gave you value, got you inspired, or has you feeling more confident than ever about your big goals, can you do me a quick favor and go leave a review? It would mean the absolute world to me and it helps other powerhouse women just like you find this show, which is truly the best gift that you could ever give me. So thank you in advance for leaving a five-star review. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.